morning, Antioch. My name is Brie Curley, and I lead our college ministry here. And this is our last message in our series, Going Deep with Jesus, Turning Our Back on Shallow Christianity. And we've been in the book of Luke. We've been looking at chapters 8, 9, and 10, looking deeper at the person of Jesus, his teachings, his interactions with people. And every week we've said that we're not going to make it if we don't go deep in Jesus. So we need to go deeper. And if you haven't listened to all the sermons, I really encourage you to go back, to listen to them, to dwell on the person of Jesus, to listen listen to what the Holy Spirit's been speaking to us through these three passages in this season. This morning, we're going to cap it off by looking at Luke 10, the story about Mary and Martha. And as I've re-gotten to know Mary and Martha through prepping for this, I really feel like this is a significant passage for us as a church in this season. And so I want to encourage you as you're listening to this passage, as you're meditating on what it looks like to be a true disciple, to go deeper in Jesus, I want to ask that this morning you would ask the Holy Spirit to convict you, to reveal things to you. You, even during this message. And so I'm going to jump in. It's Luke 10, 38 through 42. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so here's a scene, right? Martha invites Jesus into her home. She obviously recognizes him as a man of importance. Later, she calls him Lord. So we know that she's pro-Jesus, right? She's active about Jesus and his disciples being around, being in her home. And then we learn about Mary, the sister who just plops down, listens to Jesus, who's presumably teaching at the time. And while this is happening, Martha gets distracted by all the duties in the house. Now, before we kick off, I know a lot of us know this story. I want to clarify something about this passage on the front end, that the main point of this passage is not about personality types. It's not about your Enneagram number, or if you're a doer, or if you're a beer. This passage isn't an allowance to kick back while your siblings do all the chores, right? So if you're a go-getter personality, I've got good news for us. This morning, you're allowed to be like that based on the scripture. You still may need to be sanctified, but the main message isn't slamming people who work hard or care about service. And we know this because of the context of the rest of Luke 10. The rest of Luke 10 is focused on hospitality, is focused on serving. Jesus sends out the 72 disciples. He talks about entering into people's homes of peace. Then we have the Good Samaritan story right before this story that definitely isn't about giving an excuse that it's okay to just sit around. It's the opposite, actually. It's about going out of your way to serve and care for others. And so what's the deal with this passage, right? In, in this Luke 10 series, all about what it looks like to serve, to have good hospitality, this passage isn't mainly about a contemplative life over one of service, but it's about the hospitality that Jesus is looking for and what it means for us to be a true disciple. And so this morning, we're going to learn a little bit from Martha this morning. And so there, the first thing is that Martha was well-intentioned, but she was distracted. And so we got to give Martha some credit, right? She gets a lot of heat, but she was the one who invited Jesus into her house. She invited the disciples while they were traveling. She was bold. She was hospitable hospitable. She was a type of person that on the surface, Jesus told his disciples to look for in Luke 10 earlier in this um, 
in, in this chapter. And so Jesus comes into her home, and what does she do? She begins to make preparations. And that was appropriate, right? That was the role of a woman in this time. That was her culture. It was to host. So she was clicking into gear of what she had seen modeled for her, of what was practice, of what she had prepared for. All these things she, she was supposed to do. And this, this normally would have been a good thing. But because Jesus had entered her home, she didn't realize that her whole identity and role could have changed because of his presence, because she was distracted. Verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, right? Jesus is in her house and she wasn't paying attention to him. She had these great intentions. She started off on the right foot. I don't know if there was a bidding war in the street of who got to host him when him and his disciples rolled into town, but she won, right? She invited them into her house, but then she got off track. There was, and, and she got distracted. And there's not some secret theological truth here. It's really simple. She wasn't able to concentrate on Jesus because she was distracted by other things. And so I really think that distraction is a trap for a majority of us not having real depth in Jesus in this season. John Ortberg, I read this quote during sabbatical. He's a pastor. It says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. And when I think about our church, I'm not afraid of the majority of us waking up in the morning, renouncing Jesus, burning our Bibles. I'm much more concerned that we, that I, am just going to continue to live normal lives while Jesus is sitting in our living room, while he's wanting to speak to us, but we're too distracted to listen to him. And so this morning, I want to ask, ask us, what's distracting you from Jesus right now? Is it your phone? I during I, I took a three-month sabbatical earlier this year, and this was something I really had to evaluate with God. I found out that the average American spends 705 hours on social media a year. It's insane, right? I'm wondering, why aren't people getting saved? Why aren't we getting free from sin? Why can't we meet with God? It's because we're distracted. And I had the opportunity during my sabbatical to really unplug from my phone. And it was freeing. I went days without looking at it. And even now coming back, I've done things like taking off notifications from my lock screen so it's not lighting up all the time. And my attention isn't always being drawn to it. It's simple things about minimizing distractions throughout our day so we can focus on Jesus. So I want to ask, ask us, can we go through a whole church service? Can we go through a life group? Can we go through our time with God without ever looking at our phone? Say, sure, I can do that. Awesome. When was the last time we did it? Right? I, as, I was, as I was thinking about this this week, I was thinking that if I spend more time on my phone than in my Bible or in prayer or than in service to Jesus, then my life isn't worth imitating. It's too distracted. And, and there's a million other distractions, right? It could be our work. It could be school. If we wake up first thing in the morning and we zip right into prepping for a meeting or responding to emails or we jump right into our homework instead of acknowledging the presence of God in our home, instead of remembering the gospel of Jesus Christ that saved us, right? It could be our thought life that's distracting us from Jesus. What others think about you. It could be food. You may need to go into a season of fasting, right? The list goes on of what can distract us. 
And so right now I just want to take a moment and I want to ask the Holy Spirit if if there's anything that's distracting us. And if hearing the voice of God is new for you, John 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And so I simply, what I want you to do right now is just ask this question back to God. And, and you can ask him to help you think. You can ask him to speak to you. And whatever comes to mind, I just want you to jot it down. So I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, would you help me think of what distracts me from you? I'm just going to wait. Amen. So if something came to mind, write it down. Pray about it. Talk to someone about it later if the Holy Spirit is revealing to you something that's been distracting you from Jesus in this season. And so the first thing, the first point was that Martha was well-intentioned, but she was distracted, like many of us. And secondly, Martha's distraction led to criticism, and that led to questioning Jesus' care towards her. So back to the scene, Martha's huffing and puffing, she's making preparations, Mary's sitting down, and then what happens, right? At some point, Martha looks up from all she's doing, she's realizing Mary isn't helping, and then she looks over and she sees Mary just sitting with all the men. So in a self-righteous way, this woman who wants to see justice and equality happen in her home, she wants an even workload, she approaches Jesus. And instead of being proud of her sister for breaking through all these gender role barriers, from learning from the most intriguing person they'd ever met, who also happens to be God, what does she do? First, she questions Jesus' intentions and care for her. And second, she criticizes and judges her sister. This is what Martha comes to Jesus and says. Martha asks, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Lord, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care? This is what punched me in the gut this week. So if you're a leader in our church who's been serving for a long time, this is for you. If you're a parent who's totally overloaded, who's doing a million things, this is for you. If you're anyone who's been doing the right things for a long time in the name of Jesus, this is for you. When you get tired from serving, when it's not connected from Jesus, you can't celebrate others. You end up getting critical of them. You end up judging them. And that leads to questioning God's character towards you. We begin to accuse God and wonder, Lord, do you really care? Do you see me? Do you notice me? Am I all alone in this? Do you notice that I'm working hard while others are just sitting around? And then we start making these requests to God that are rooted in pain and discouragement. Tell her to come help me. Right? Is, is, have you ever made a request to Jesus that just sounded that bratty? And so if you get distracted and tired because you aren't listening to Jesus when it's available to you, which, by the way, is all the time, it will affect the relationships closest to you. And if it's not dealt with, it can twist how you believe God feels about you. Martha called Jesus Lord. She knew who he was but she hadn't positioned herself at his feet to listen to him, to know what he was really like. So again, I want us to stop and ask. And so I'm going to ask this question, and then I'm just going to take a few seconds for you to listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you. I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, is there a place where I'm wrongly criticizing or judging others because my serving isn't connected to you? 
Or is there a place where I'm questioning your care for me because my attention is not turned towards you? Amen. So Martha was well-intentioned, but she was distracted. And that led to criticism of her sister and doubting Jesus' character. So what happens? Jesus responds, and he teaches her what it means to be a true, true disciple. And so do you know one of the things that I love most about Jesus' response to her? He doesn't rebuke her for criticism. He doesn't embarrass her. He doesn't shame her in front of all these people for her attitude and her question. And this brings me such comfort and confidence that I can storm up to Jesus, that I can let it all out because Jesus' response to me is so caring and compassionate and patient with Martha. And I know he's going to be the same way towards me. And so what does Jesus do? He responds and he doesn't answer her question, which he's really good at doing. <laughs> but he reflects back to Martha, her inner world, and he tells her that what Mary is doing is what's needed and is what's better. This is what Jesus says. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What was Jesus doing here? He was showing that he knew her. He knew she was worried and upset. He, he knew that she wanted recognition for all that she was doing. Were there other things besides hosting that she was worried about, that she was upset about? Was there something else that had happened in her life that was weighing on her? I don't know. We don't, it doesn't say in scripture, but Jesus knew what was going on in Martha's heart. And then what's next? He set her free. He gave her away out of all the habits, out of all the patterns, her whole life that she'd lived in this frantic hosting of, of this role that she was supposed to have, of what she was supposed to do. And he told her, you can be free. This big time religious leader said, forget all the rules, right? He said, there's only a few things that were needed. Then he changed his mind. Then he corrected himself and said, actually, no, there's just one thing that's needed. Right, for a Jew to hear that there was just one thing to do, I can't imagine how shocking that would have been. And so it begs the question, what did Mary choose? What did Mary choose that Martha didn't? And in a very broad picture sense, she chose Jesus. Right, she took the role of a disciple. She chose to be with Jesus, to turn her affection and her attention towards him. She wasn't worried and upset. She displayed this true hospitality to Jesus and welcomed him with the honor and attention that was deserved, right? It wasn't, the, the good thing about Mary wasn't that she was just sitting down. I don't think Jesus was correcting or rebuking Martha for serving and praising Mary because she was sitting. He was addressing Martha's heart posture. If Martha would have been listening to Jesus as she was putting the food on the table and cleaning the dishes, and if she wasn't distracted, I think she would have been choosing the better thing as she was on the go. But Mary chose to be a disciple. And disciples listen when God speaks. And on the micro level in this specific story, what did Mary choose? Jesus was in their house, right? There was a specific opportunity to be seized with Jesus in this moment. They didn't have the Holy Spirit who could speak to them all the time or be with them yet. As soon as Jesus walked out the door, that was it. 
until Lazarus dies later, later then Jesus comes back. But there, there's, there's always this broad picture of choosing Jesus. But there's also these specific moments where Jesus invites us into opportunity to listen to him. And so for us, we need to minimize distractions so we can be aware of seizing opportunities with God in specific moments. If I'm in the middle of something, I feel like God is speaking to me, am I going to stop and lean into that? Or am I going to ignore it? Right? We must place priority on when God speaks and when God is moving in specific moments, no matter what we're doing. So how do we live this out? Right, Jesus bragged on Mary in this passage, and so I'm going to brag on a few people this morning. Because just like Jesus pointed to Mary, he said, do that thing. Do what Mary's doing. He didn't even explain it. Right? We should be pointing at one another as we're going deep with Jesus, as we're being disciples, that we, that we celebrate with one another when we choose Jesus. So I'm going to point at a couple people this morning. First one is Anna. I'm going to talk about um, the first thing of what this looks like to live it out is that we need to get undistracted. And so when it comes to setting aside distractions to be with Jesus, um, I was talking to Anna. She's a rock star um, senior at BC. And she was telling me that she realized that she hadn't been getting enough time with Jesus in the morning. And she was telling me about different seasons in her life where she had consistency and accountability, where she looked forward to waking up every morning and just having a habit of spending time with God before she did anything else. And so what she did is she proactively told her roommates that she was going to start setting two alarms every day, one to go to bed, which is still like three hours past my bedtime, and another to wake up at 6.30 every day. For all of you who forgot what it's like to be in college, 6.30 a.m. is very early for a Zoom class for a college student. And then you know what happened? She's been hearing the voice of God. She's been allowing God to convict her. She's been responding and stepping out in faith in specific things that God's been speaking to her. And she's, she's believing for revival on campus. And it's caught on. Now her whole house, she was asking her roommates for accountability. And they said, wait, we want to do that too. And, and, and it's been this ripple effect through college ministry of people looking at Anna and saying, I want, I want to do that. I want to be undistracted. I want to wake up and choose the better thing of spending time with Jesus. She put some discipline in her life so that she wouldn't be distracted and her day wouldn't float away. And so... We need to have intentional time to connect with Jesus, but sometimes that looks like disciplining ourselves to removing dis distractions. And the second thing I want to hit on is this responding to Jesus in the moment. And I have an awesome life group, and our life group um, for, the, for this semester, different weeks, has been talking about physical healing and what that looks like, that Jesus can actually heal people today. And um, Victoria, who's in our group, just graduated from Northeastern and is in her first job as a nurse. She's still in orientation. She's a new girl on the floor, and she's not even on her own yet. And she's had this stirring to believe for physical healing for her patients at work. And so last week she had this patient who was in a really sad and desperate situation. And she was with her all day and it was really heavy. She works on the oncology floor. So this woman has cancer. And she came straight to life group after a 12-hour shift. And, and during life group, she said that basically all of life group, all she could do was think about this woman. All she did during life group was just pray for this woman that she had met at work. She couldn't get her off her 
couldn't get this woman off of her mind. And so the next day, she was at work, and, and the patient who had received the treatment the day before that most people have really bad side effects to and respond poorly to, Victoria went up to her and asked her how her night was, how the treatment was, and this woman miraculously didn't have terrible pain and bad side effects that most patients have. And so Vic continues to talk to her, to get to know her, gets to know her story, really gets in relationship with this woman. And at one point in um, in their interaction, this woman casually drops that she prays. And so Victoria got that feeling in her stomach of, I need to pray for her. And so she asks her what her spiritual background is, and she's being very respectful, knowing that this borderline could be inappropriate for her as a nurse at work, especially as a new nurse, to be um, interacting with patients like this. But she wanted to respond to the Word of God. And so because the night before, instead of leaving work and going home and crashing and vegging out, she chose to come to Life Group. And then during life group, she chose to stay engaged with the process of praying for this woman. When she came to work, this woman had, had God, God had protected her from many side effects. And so when God prompted Victoria to step out in faith to pray for this woman the next day, Victoria was ready to respond. And this is what it means to choose the better thing, to respond to Jesus when he's up to something in the room. And so again, the point of this passage isn't to do some action item. It's not just to sit down and to be really bored and to listen to worship music and try to hear God say something to you. It's to turn our affection towards Jesus, to let him speak to us, to let him correct places that are off so that we can commune with him. So I want to encourage you to ask God if there are distractions or criticisms that need to be addressed so that you can be a true disciple of Jesus who goes deep.